You're listening to the podcast edition of It Really Does Matter. Hi, I'm David Ansel, and here we are at episode number four. I wanted to try to get in one more episode before Christmas, so here goes. And it's kind of interesting. I've heard on some podcasts and really some disappointment at Apple's last big announcement about a month ago about the Beatles being on iTunes. But actually, I have to tell you that I actually was really glad to have that, even though I thought that was probably not enough to really make a big announcement out of. But then again, apparently it took so long to get them there that once it happened, it was a pretty big deal. But I actually was really thinking about adding some Beatles music to my collection and was disappointed to find out that it wasn't online and was looking at all I'd have to buy in CDs to get what I wanted and Fortunately, before I bought anything, it got up there on iTunes, and I ended up getting what I wanted for a whole lot less money. So, while I know there's a lot of other people who probably already have big Beatles collections and probably thought, oh, yawn, I actually was pretty happy about that. Anyway, I have another little fun story to tell. One of my wife's Facebook friends actually posted on a status that he was getting addicted to Angry Birds. Interestingly enough, someone posted a comment that said, Oh yeah, I saw them in concert some time ago. Okay, yeah, bad joke. I have to admit that I kept hearing this name Angry Birds, but I'd never really tried it. But now that it's available for Android, I decided to download it onto my droid. And now that takes up about half my lunch break at work. I've gotten pretty addicted myself. It's really a lot of fun, so you got to try it. But speaking of Facebook... Yeah, you can kind of tell that this segment today is getting just to be a little bit on the random side, but that's okay. I'm just kind of having a little fun with this today. I saw a number of people on Facebook that were saying that we all need to change our Facebook profile picture to our favorite cartoon character as a kid because we can use it to help combat child abuse. Well, I can assure you all, and I've been told we can actually find this on Snopes.com. I haven't really looked yet, but I can still assure you this is a pretty big hoax. And really, if you think about it, how can changing your Facebook profile picture really combat child abuse? Anybody kind of think about that? I guess I'm the kind of person that would do a thing like that because even when I was a kid and I was growing up in school, I was always the one. I, I don't even know what kind of names somebody would call me, and I'm sure most of them came behind my back. I mean, I was definitely the nerd and whatever else, but I was never a follow-the-crowd kind of person. I wouldn't do something just because everybody else was doing it, unless they happened to be people that I really, really admired. I would be the person that, you know, I would see that, and I'd be like, well, how does... Changing your picture really combat child abuse. Has anybody really thought about it? Now, I mean, if you did it with good intentions, great. I mean, it's harmless. Nothing to worry about. But I, I tend to like to think those things through and just not do that. I mean, even in school, like people used to get the buzz haircuts. And I just thought those haircuts were really ugly. So I just refused to get one. Or they play these really stupid games. And I never was one to do that. It made it really hard for me to fit in. But... I felt like I really just had to be who I was. And, and by the way, if, if any of you have been getting those emails, and this happened a lot in pharmacy school that said, you know, some, so-and-so is dying of cancer, and the American Cancer Society is going to donate $0.10 cents for 
every time this email is forwarded. And I would even reply to some of my classmates, you know, I know you had good intentions, but hey, uh, this is actually a hoax. In fact, how can they ever really track how many times an email is forwarded? And quite honestly, that would be a hard pledge to make because that could be a real runaway. I also had a classmate with one of those virus threats. He said, you know, if you get an email with a subject greetings, then don't open it. It's a really serious virus. So guess what I did? Sometime in the evening, I went to my computer and I sent him an email with the subject greetings. Was there a virus? No. Because I'm really more of a harmless practical joker. The sad part is that once you get to know me, if I try to play a joke on you, you're just going to know immediately who did it. But anyway, that's enough goofing around. I'm going to take a break right now, and then I'm going to get to a little bit more serious topic. So I'll see you in just a minute. Welcome back to It Really Does Matter. And like I said, I have, after goofing around for a few minutes, something to actually really say here. And I think it's a safe assumption to say that this year has been a really big year for distorted reporting by our mainstream media on the church. I mean, I looked at some of those articles out there, especially the New York Times, trying to pin responsibility for sex abuse scandals on Cardinal Ratzinger at the time, and of course now Pope Benedict, and I mean, even just reading their article, I could tell they were fishing for something. And now, the media has had its field day with Pope Benedict's comments in this book interview that he did called Light of the World, and I actually am reading that right now, and I have a copy of it, and it's really a great book, and I'd really encourage you all to get it and really get a good feel for how our Pope has been thinking lately. But one of the things about our Pope is that he was a professor, and in a lot of ways, he's a very precise theologian, and a lot of times that tends to throw some people off. And just for the record, let me go ahead and already say, you know, the big thing they're distorting is media saying that the Pope is now saying that maybe under certain circumstances that condom use can be permitted, but in fact, he really did not say that. And I'll get into that in just a minute, but let me tell you that, you know, distorting the Pope's words is nothing new, and I had some friends back in 2004 that were kind of upset about Cardinal Ratzinger's letter to Cardinal McGarrick about worthiness to receive communion and voting for a pro-abortion candidate, because basically Cardinal Ratzinger wrote this, a Catholic would be guilty of formal cooperation in evil and so unworthy to present himself for Holy Communion if he were to deliberately vote for a candidate precisely because of the candidate's permissive stance on abortion and or euthanasia. When a Catholic does not share a candidate's stand in favor of abortion and or euthanasia, but votes for that candidate for other reasons, it is considered remote material cooperation, and here's the kicker, which can be permitted in the presence of proportionate reasons. And as you well know, there are probably a lot of pro-aborts or people who were voting for pro-aborts that tried to justify themselves using that statement. And honestly, I do wish that Cardinal Ratzinger had actually given some specific examples, because 
Some of what people were coming up with, I think even the war in Iraq that was going on really doesn't justify voting for a pro-abort. In fact, I really would think that for proportionate reasons for a candidate who favors abortion to be someone we could viably vote for, the other candidate would probably have to be something on the level of Adolf Hitler. But unfortunately, that's not how a lot of people interpreted that statement. And, you know, I had some friends who kind of understandably were afraid of what he had said because of how some people would interpret it. Now, fast forward to 2006. Now he's Pope Benedict. He gave a lecture at the university where he taught at Regensburg, and he was citing a dialogue between a Byzantine emperor and an educated Persian, a dialogue between Christianity and Islam, and some media people took what he had said from that quotation and made it sound like the Pope was making that his own words, and it caused a huge uproar. And I had some friends that were really critical of what he said. Personally, this one... I really think is the fault of the irresponsible media just taking his words and trying to create a sensation out of them. In fact, I've got the Light of the World book in front of me, and on page 97, Pope Benedict even says he delivered this as a strictly academic address, and instead it got read as a political statement. And in fact, one thing the media doesn't seem to get, and especially with this Regensburg address and with the more recent response on condoms, is that these were not official papal statements. So even if the Pope were saying that maybe condom use could be permitted, it would have no effect on church teaching because he is not making an official pronouncement. For some reason, people in the media think that Catholics believe that every word that the Pope says then is law, and that is not the case. The authority is not in the person, it is in the office, and therefore the authority only applies when he is making his pronouncement as the one who holds the office and using the office. But anyway, what I want to do next is read you the exact quote, page 119 of Light of the World. What did the Pope really say? Because in those news articles, it's really hard to tell what the Pope really said. It They just are putting their own spin on it. And most of the ones that I've read don't even reference this at all. Here's what he said. There may be a basis in the case of some individuals, as perhaps when a male prostitute uses a condom, where this can be a first step in the direction of a moralization, a first assumption of responsibility, on the way towards recovering an awareness that not everything is allowed, and that one cannot do whatever one wants. But it is not really the way to deal with the evil of HIV infection. That can really lie only in a humanization of sexuality. So what does all this mean? And if you want a more theological treatment of it also, in another perspective, I would actually suggest looking at the December 19th issue of Our Sunday Visitor. I just read that. It's actually an interview about it on a, with an Opus Dei priest, and it gives a very good perspective on it. But I'm going to try to see if I can make an explanation here in a different sort of term. I remember hearing a priest give a talk, and he made this statement, and before I even say this, let me just say that he has his point, but I think that this statement is very misleading. And he said that when people go to confession, they don't confess their sins, they confess their ideals. 
You know, they've come to believe that gossip is wrong, and when they gossip, they feel like they have to confess it. In a sense, like I said, he has his point, but this is the problem. You see, in the spiritual life, I know that I have found that the closer one gets to God, who is infinite and infinite goodness, then the more one realizes how much one falls short. For example, a prostitute might not really be concerned with her gossip habit. But as she realizes the sin of prostitution, which sin is really blinding, so you take away that sin, most likely only at that point may she later come to realize that, oh, she also has a gossip problem. And then, obviously, because she wasn't aware of it in the past and is now through her newfound getting rid of sin and growing closer to God, realize that gossip is wrong and will begin to confess it. We grow in our knowledge of God, and we learn that more and more of the things in our lives need to be changed. And in fact, if during our lives we're not continuing to identify things that maybe offend God or really we could do better or need to be changed, then that's really a bad sign because that's really a sign of stagnation at best in our spiritual life and maybe even a lax attitude. So, how does this apply to the Pope's remarks? Well, prostitution is obviously wrong. The solution to such a sin is to get that person away from the sin. Just passing out condoms is really taking the easy way out. I can't believe how many people, I mean, I've even seen the New York Times referring to the Pope as being genocidal because of his opposition to the use of condoms to stop spreading AIDS in Africa, but it seems like he needs to realize that if people were really following the teachings of the church, then they wouldn't be doing those things which could spread HIV anyway. But I guess I digress a little bit. But the point is, the solution really is to get out of that sin, but it may not happen all at once. And what may happen is the male prostitute may receive a realization that, hey, I'm putting people at risk, and he's doing something which really isn't ultimately the right thing to do, but he's at least getting in his mind that, hey, I can't just do anything, and I can't do this to people, and therefore it becomes a first step or a first realization. He's still committing serious sin. He still needs to be brought out of that. And this may be the first step by which he is brought out of that. It is definitely not, as Pope Benedict said, the solution. And it's important to make that understanding. Very often when we grow in our spiritual life, it is by baby steps. And sometimes, even with the first baby step, we may still be in serious sin. But that baby step is still a step towards getting out of that sin and bringing ourselves back closer to God and coming to a fuller understanding of God's gift of sexuality. So that's at least what I've perceived the remarks to mean. Like I said, I would definitely urge you to get some more faithful to the church resources on what he said. And really, please don't rely on the secular media because they've really got this one wrong. But anyway, that's all that I have for today. If you have any questions or comments or maybe even some suggestions of topics that you would like me to cover, please feel free to visit my website at www.davidansel.com. I hope you all have a Merry Christmas, and I will talk to you next time. <music>